0: so good to see all of you again. If you're our guest today, you're here to see mom. We're thrilled you're here as well. Would you stand with me for a moment? We're going to read from God's word. We've been in a series, a conversation around Christianity and why Christianity and why do we follow Jesus. We're going to pick up that conversation here in the next few weeks. I want to share a message today. You're going to think maybe initially that it's geared to moms, but before we're done, we're going to apply it to all of us as well. 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Let's read along together. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So this is Paul writing to Timothy. And the last time that they had to say goodbye, it was a very emotional time. And Paul is probably nearing the end of his life at this point. And he's writing to Timothy, wanting to see him again. This is what he says of Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for guiding us uh, each moment of every day and even in these moments together. Uh, Lord, I just pray that there would be an encouragement and a challenge in this message, God, to all of us. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us, for your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness. We pray these moments you'll be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably a lot of you in the room have heard the stories of astronauts like Alan Shepard and John Glenn and maybe even some of the engineers that have worked with NASA throughout space programs of the past. In 2016, the Smithsonian Institute magazine uh, reported on some of the people who were behind all the things that took place with astronauts and engineers and brought to light their great work. To quote, as America stood on the brink of a second world war, the push for aeronautical advancement grew even greater, spurring an insatiable demand for mathematicians. Women were the solution. Ushered into the Langley Memorial Aeronautical Laboratory in 1935 to shoulder the burden of number crunching, they acted as human computers, freeing the engineers of hand calculations in the decades before the digital age. Also in 2016, along with the article, there came the movie Hidden Figures. Anybody seen the movie Hidden Figures? Okay, great movie. Hidden Figures highlighted the work of key African-American women or human computers as they calculated the mathematical formulas necessary for Project Mercury, the first human spaceflight program of the United States. And it was in that program that the first American was able to orbit the Earth in 1961. Now, not much is made of the mathematicians who, at the time, not only was their work not talked about a lot, but they also faced racial segregation and discrimination. But it was their calculations, that made it possible to know the exit and re-entry points to Earth's atmosphere and for those astronauts to travel to their destination and back safely. They were behind a lot of the work that took place. We know quite a bit about a man named Paul in Scripture who became a writer of much of the New Testament. We know that Paul was persecuted. We know that he was imprisoned. We know that before all of those things himself, he was the one who persecuted and imprisoned and even murdered Jesus' followers. He was happy for them to suffer and he thought he was doing what was right. He had an encounter with Jesus actually on his way to imprison and persecute more Jesus' followers. And instead, Saul went from being persecutor to being a Jesus' follower himself, known to us as the Apostle Paul. He became a leader in taking the good news to places in the world, talking about Jesus in places in the world that had never been talked about. In fact, we would probably refer to Paul more as this pioneer missionary. He would start new works and reach new people, and then he would establish new church communities in those locations, and he would appoint pastors to lead those new communities, and he worked very hard throughout his life and ministry to spread the gospel and the message of Christ. All of this is well documented. And his writings to us are very well known. He often wrote to individuals, but he also wrote to these new communities, kind of responding back to questions they had, or even continuing to encourage those who he'd once interacted with or even started the community. He encouraged so many of them to focus on Jesus to not let go of the confidence and the hope in Christ, and to continue to persevere, and to hang on, and to not give up. One of the people that Paul encouraged was a man named Timothy, and Paul wrote to him in our text this morning. Paul met Timothy in the town of Lystra, according to Acts chapter 16, and Timothy was a young man, much younger than Paul, but other believers spoke very highly of Timothy. Timothy would later be encouraged by the Apostle Paul to not let his youth determine how he lived and not let anyone look down on him because he was young, but to set an example for all the other believers. Paul took Timothy on some of his missionary journeys. Paul trusted Timothy as his representative to peoples, and he appointed Timothy as the pastor of the church at Ephesus. All of this is well-known and well-documented. We know a lot about the Apostle Paul, And we know a lot about Timothy. Behind Timothy stood a couple of people that we might refer to today as hidden figures. We don't know a lot about them. But we know that Eunice, his mother, and Lois, his grandmother, had significant impact on Timothy's spiritual life. First of all, we know according to Scripture that Timothy was taught the Scriptures early in his life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul said to him, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, maybe I'm taking a little liberty here, but I can imagine a picture of Timothy's mom rocking Timothy as a newborn baby in a rocking chair, and praying over him and speaking the truth about God over him, even from a young age. I know that that took place in our lives, each one of our girls, those moments in the middle of the night, even when you're feeding those bottles and you're praying over them or you're saying to them from young ages, you know, mommy and daddy love you and your siblings love you, but more than anybody, Jesus loves you and instilling that truth into their lives. There's no doubt that Timothy's mom, and maybe even his grandmother as well, taught Timothy the scripture from a very young age. I can remember growing up, if you've heard me talk about my grandmother, she was in ministry for more than 50 years, served as a pastor, served as an evangelist different ways. And she was very well versed in scripture, but she never thought that she'd learned so much that she wouldn't keep learning and growing. So I'm reminded that uh, when I'd go to her home, if she had cable TV, I assume she did because uh, she watched TV, but the only channel on her TV that seemed to work was the Christian television station. Uh, TBN was like the only thing she would watch those days. She's probably brought, bought, in, the, in years gone by, she probably bought every prayer shawl, every prayer cloth, every Bible that David Jeremiah and John Hagee's ever sold in their life and ministry. She owned it all. She loved the scripture. And as a kid, I, she would come to visit, and, and as a kid, I, I played outside. Outside is this place where the sun shines. And, uh, okay. Just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. I played outside. Even as an only child, I still played outside. I still had a full baseball team. They were just all invisible. <laughs> you have to have an imagination as an only child. That's just the way it works. So I, I wanted to play outside. But I remember vividly when my grandmother would come to our home, she would want to sit and talk about Scripture. And my mom would sit right there with her. And they would just, even for hours, they could sit and just talk about Different passages of Scripture and different things that were going on. And here I was as a kid initially thinking, I just want to go outside. I just want to go play. But the older I got, the more I was enthralled with sitting and listening to the wisdom that was circulating in that room as my mom and my grandmother talked about the Scripture. Today, I'm honored that in my in my personal library, I have uh, some of my grandmother's sermon notes that that she would write. and And she didn't write... The same way that I write messages today, a lot of her writings were just notebook pieces of paper with scripture references all the way down. And you got to kind of read through the scriptures to know what she was thinking and where her line of thought was headed. But it's a blessing to do that. And then I have my mom's personal Bible and I'm able to go back and read different handwritten notes and see what God was speaking to her in those moments. There's something powerful about the role of a mom and a grandmother instilling that truth and instilling that scripture and instilling the word of God itself into our lives. Secondly, we know about Timothy that both his mom and his grandmother were full of strong, genuine, unwavering faith in God. Paul told Timothy that he, he, he clearly didn't just learn the scripture for head knowledge, but he learned what it meant to follow Jesus every day. That his mom and grandmother were full of sincere or genuine faith. And, and I would say today that genuine and sincere faith is not just the, the belief in being able to quote a scripture. It's that when times are tough, you still hold on to what God has said as, as truth to your life. True faith is faith in God even in those hard moments. And I watched my grandmother and my mom both have had health challenges through the years. Later my mom battled cancer and I watched her. And it would be so easy in dealing with those things and dealing with life changes and hard moments and surprising circumstances. It would be so easy to want to give up or to question why or to, or to have a lot of, lot of doubt involved as to if things were really going to shift. But I watched as my mom, even through that diagnosis, even through that battle for years to come, off and on and on and off, I can watch and remember her quoting the promises of God and remembering the promises of God in her life that even in the weariness of the human body, she stood firm in the truth of God. Genuine faith playing out in how we live our day-to-day lives. I would go further to say, it's easy for us to follow Jesus when we're in a room or a moment like this with other people who love Jesus. But when the rubber meets the road, how do we live on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday where faith is needed, belief in God is needed, even when the things around us are shifting? Genuine faith. And then thirdly, we recognize that Timothy's father was likely not saved. In Acts chapter 16, we're told that Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where the disciple named Timothy lived, that's where he met him, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And what we learn here, even in the original language, is it's possible that Timothy's dad had already passed away by this point. So what we understand is Timothy's mom and grandmother had a major hand in influencing Timothy's life despite the fact that his father wasn't a believer. So we know he was taught the Scriptures. We know he had before him modeled sincere faith. And we know that she carried a great, his mom carried a great responsibility in making sure Timothy knew the truth and knew how to follow Jesus. Now fast forward. Timothy grows to become a young man. And Timothy still had to make a decision for himself to follow truth. Uh, The same is true in our lives today. Even if we had a mom or a dad or both that poured into our lives, as we get older, we still have to make those decisions for ourselves. Uh, the salvation of our mom or grandmother or father or grandfather doesn't settle salvation for us. We're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, Scripture says. We're to make that personal decision to follow Jesus, to have, personally have faith in our lives. So Timothy still had to make the decision. We're not insinuating today that Timothy was automatically saved just because his mom and grandmother were Jesus' followers. But what we are suggesting today is that there's no doubt that Eunice and Lois had a significant impact on who he was and how he believed in God. I want to encourage, first of all today, the moms who are listening to this message together. And I want to start with four simple words that I just feel the Lord's impressed upon my heart to tell you today. And those are these words. Do not give up. Do not give up. Now, I've found that in years gone by, a, a number of moms would be focused on and, and have the ability to be able to be home and with their kids and... These days in our world and in our times, a lot of families have two people working. It's, it's not the same in those sense. And, and part of it's you've got economic stress, you've got just the desire to be actively involved in some ways, and so a lot of times both parents are working. So today as a mom, maybe you have a marketplace job, maybe you don't. But you work in so many ways at home that you never are compensated for. If you have young kids today, You change diapers, and I do mean diaper after diaper after diaper, and you give bottles, and if it's anything like our home, you have fed your children chicken nuggets after chicken nuggets after chicken nuggets. McDonald's is going to get all of my bank account chicken nuggets. I mean, we can't go to McDonald's as a family of five for less than $40. What happened to the dollar menu? I mean, seriously, what happened to the dollar menu? I don't know where it went. And my kids, I don't know about yours, but mine are bottomless pits. Mommy, I want a snack. Daddy, I want a snack. You just ate a six-piece chicken nugget Happy Meal 32 minutes ago. What do you mean you're hungry again? And then if that's not enough, kids can kind of dominate or dictate what's happening in the home because... If you have young kids, especially, you know that you don't have any control over the television anymore. You're sick and tired of hearing Cocomelon and watching Blippi. For those of you who don't know, this is a grown 30-something-year-old man in orange suspenders who is being watched on a YouTube video playing in a playground. <laughs> I just told my wife the other day, I could do this. He's got millions of followers. What are we watching? Of course, at my house, you add on top of that all the Disney princesses. I can tell you every song from Moana to Beauty and the Beast. To I've, I've taken carpet rides on, in a whole new world many, many times. And moms, if that's not enough, you spend half of your time at least... Cleaning up the thousands of toys they've played with for a total of 10 minutes since Christmas of 2017. You could have given them a box and they would have played with it more than all of these toys. The same toys that you threaten to put in a garbage bag and give away to somebody who doesn't have toys every time they don't want to clean them up. Maybe that's just my house. But maybe you have older children and you're navigating teenage drama. Yeah. I got some witnesses in the room. I could almost sing, preach to that one. Mm. Well, I got hankies waving. I got everything happening today. People are on this one. You're navigating teenage drama. Every little thing is sensitive. My daughter's borderline preteen. I don't really know what she's going to cry about today. I love her to death, but I just don't know what might happen. And then they've got attitudes the size of Texas. And you're trying to offer wisdom to teenagers when they just know they know more than you do. Moms, you're spending time coordinating the family calendar, the family transportation to and from, everything that has to happen, the family meals, the family bedtimes, and maybe even from a spiritual component. You're trying to coordinate the family devotions and getting everybody to church on time and the prayers together. Hear me out today. I know that men can and should co-parent and men can and should spiritually lead and I know men can and should be willing to contribute in the home in so many different ways but there are many moms today who find that their men are absent whether it's physical or spiritually and there are too many men who are, the, who are more than willing to sit back and let ladies do it all. Here's what I want you to know, mom. I want you to know, know that the work you do may be hidden to others but you are seen by God. God sees you. And today, if you're weary and you're struggling, and, and as much as we laugh about the realities of being a parent today... Maybe you're really struggling. You're finding it hard. You feel like you're, you're stretched about as thin as you can get. I want to remind you today that God is inviting you today to lean in and to find strength and peace and comfort and joy in Him. I want to remind you today that your work is valuable and your God is powerful. And He can give you the strength to keep going. So moms, don't give up. Don't give up. Secondly... Don't underestimate the power of generational impact. What you're doing today is not just about this moment, and it's not even just about your children. Yeah, it's about them growing up and knowing the truth and having a future that's centered around Christ. But it's not just for your children now. It's for your children's children. And your children's children's children. Generational impact. Think about Timothy. It was his grandmother, then his mother, and then him. I don't know which. I I would assume based on Scripture that perhaps his grandmother was the first. I don't know. there's, There's possibilities that maybe before her there were those who lived for God. But the point being, Timothy was clearly impacted by a grandmother and a mother who were anchored in God. Timothy's grandmother probably passed away during his lifetime. Just the nature of natural attrition. But Timothy lived on in truth because of what had been instilled in him by his grandmother and his mother. We want to avoid getting to a future where people don't know Jesus. We want to avoid as much as we can getting to a future where people don't know the truth of God. We we wanted, I think, to avoid part of where we are today. The scary thought from the Old Testament in the book of Judges, chapter 2. Verse 10 says that after that a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors and another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. It points to the sad reality that if we're not intentional to pass on truth, we will see people grow up and then inflict that same lack of truth on others I want you to to recognize today that what you're doing now will long outlive your life. That legacy isn't just what's tattooed on the headstone when you're gone. Legacy isn't just about remembering what we did, but it's about others knowing who we're all about and who we serve. Legacy, true legacy is what carries on after others are gone. What carries on? What lives on in your children? What lives on in your local church? Because if if Jesus carries is coming long enough, we're all going to face that appointment with death. But I want to instill things into my children that will live long after I'm gone from this earth. And I want to instill things into the local church and into the body of Christ that live much longer than my life recognize that what you're doing now will long outlive you. Don't underestimate the power of generational impact. Number three, teach the Scriptures to your children. We see this in Timothy's life that he was from infancy. He was taught the Scriptures. So it's important for them to know the ABCs and counting and how to write. It's important for them to have all of these skills. But as you do all of those things, let's make sure that the Word of God takes up residence in their heads and in their hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6-9, through 9, God was speaking to the people of Israel and He said, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do more with the commands of God than just being able to rise to mental assent to know them and to be recite them. But how do we live them? How do we impress them on our children? How do we do that practically? How many of you have children today that you've noticed that in about 15 seconds they can learn the lyrics to every song they listen to? Right? So we have to be very intentional. In our home, our oldest especially, Isabella, knows lyrics like crazy And uh, whether it's a song from a movie or whether it's a song that she's listening to on Spotify. So we have to be really intentional parents because those streaming music programs that are out there, those apps, they, they will sometimes just pull from all sorts of different places. They're not trying to serve our more godly purposes, they're just trying to get people to listen to make money on these things. So we have to be very intentional, but song and music is one of the ways that we can help get the scripture and the truth of God into their hearts and into their lives. Another way is through media content, and there are some really good resources out there. Uh, This has changed through the years. At some points, People struggled to find Christian resources because they weren't, they weren't uh, seemingly coming off as well as maybe companies intended them to. But did you know that ePag provides for you a free, right now, media account in your home? All you have to do is go to the app and sign up for it and you'll get it free. It's all you got to do. And there are adult content, there's youth content, there's kids content, all in there. And all you got to do is sign up for the account. It's free. We're taking care of it for you. We want you to have those resources. You can use the Bible app for kids. There's even a Fire Bible app for kids that goes with the kids' Fire Bible. There are so many different tools like that. I get it. We go to a restaurant, and I'm going to confess for a moment. When we go to a restaurant, if we're wanting to try to actually get in conversation with adults, we have to do something to keep the kids occupied. Particularly if we're hanging out with people who maybe don't have kids, they've got to have something to keep them occupied. Otherwise... Uh, my children are not perfect. I don't know how to tell you all that. But my children are not perfect. I'm the first one to admit that. So we do have iPads for them or something for them that they can pay attention to. But sometimes let's, let's just make sure we're cautious. I'm not saying they can't watch anything else or something else. But I am saying, let's make sure that we prioritize that the content they're taking in is centered around Jesus. And let's make sure that they're getting that truth and they're hearing that truth. Teach those kids from a young age how to repeat and even memorize scripture. The older I get, the harder it is to remember things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't even know what I just asked, so you're not sure if you should raise your hand or not. I find, and it's statistically proven. The younger you are, the easier it is to remember. That's why they teach you to learn a second language earlier on. It's easier to retain the information when you're younger. So I want to challenge you. If if you are younger, first of all, in the room, and then second of all, if you're a parent with a young child, get them in that process of learning Scripture now. And, And I would say to you that there's going to come a point later in their future where the Holy Spirit will bring that truth back up in them. I would even speak to moms today and families today that maybe your children aren't as close to God as they once were, or maybe your children aren't as close to God as you'd hoped they'd be. I just want to remind you that there's power in the truth of the Word of God, and when you plant those seeds, somewhere along the way, God's going to water those seeds, God's going to cause those things to grow, somebody's going to cross their path and bring those things to remembrance. Don't give up. That other other comment about not giving up, don't give up on your children knowing Jesus and following Jesus, believe that that Word of God you've put in their lives will come back and will bring fruit. Teach your children the Scriptures through the local church. I'm so thankful for our EPAG Kids Ministry and our EPAG Youth Ministry that's teaching and preaching Scripture and helping them to memorize Scripture. There are parent cue cards. If your kids are in E.P.A.C. Kids, there are cue cards or, or little resources that you can actually have some conversation with them After their groups are over today or on Wednesday night, you can have conversation with them and review that with them and have a great moment with God right there with your kid. Don't, please don't, hear my heart on this. This is is a pastor's heart talking, but I want to be truthful with you too. Please don't leave it to just our kids team to disciple your kids. Please, please, don't, please don't leave that responsibility that God's given us as parents just to those kids' teams. But, but when they're at home, teach them these things. It's great that we get to partner with our kids' team. It's great that we have what we have. We're a blessed church with our kids' team. It's fantastic. And our youth team, it's wonderful. But at the same time, I want to make sure we kind of drive that home. I want to make sure that they're getting the same thing at home, that they're getting at church. I want to make sure they're getting the Scripture. They need the truth. And I ask you that as you teach the Scripture to your children, would you also model what it means to follow Jesus? Because your children may listen, or maybe some of you feel like they don't listen, but your children may listen, but they're also watching and paying attention to what's happening in your life. As we verbally teach our children, we also want to practically teach our children. It's important... That people, especially our children, see us live out relationship with Jesus every day of our lives and not just that we go to a local church a certain day a week. That we live out the scriptures that we say in the actions that we take. If we want our, G- our children to follow Jesus, then we model what it means to follow Jesus. If we want our children to be active in spiritual disciplines, then we want to model spiritual practical disciplines. We want to practice those things. If we want our children to engage in a community of Jesus followers and value being a part of a local church and having a support system for the ups and downs of life, then we need to model togetherness and fellowship and community more than isolation. If we want our children to have healthy relationships, whether it's marriage, friendships, or acquaintances that we know, if we want our, our children to have healthy relationships centered on love and trust, then we must model love and trust and not gossip and slander and hatred. Everything our kids are going to know about following Jesus when they graduate high school and go to college will be from what you and I have taught them. I was just having a conversation this week. And we were talking about our heart is to make sure that our students are better equipped when they step on, especially to secular university campuses, that our students are better equipped with the truth of God to be prepared for the conversations that are going to happen. Years ago, I had a student in youth ministry. He graduated high school. He'd been in a Christian school. He gets to a secular university And one of the first things that the professor tells them in their group is, I want you to forget everything mom and dad have ever taught you. And I'm not here to make a statement that you would feel is one way or the other. I'm simply telling you that there is an attack on truth. And that attack is centered towards students and kids. And so we have to equip our children. We have to give them the truth, but then we also have to model those things because they're going to learn from us what it looks like to follow Jesus. They're not just listening, they're also watching. I've heard, I've heard a number of people say years later in adulthood that their struggle with Christianity was that what mom and dad talked about and what they heard in church was not what was being lived out at home. Let that not be the truth of our homes. My encouragement to those today who have children that are already grown. Maybe you're here today and say, Boy, this is great, I'm glad it's for moms, but but my kids are grown and gone, this doesn't necessarily apply to me. I want to challenge you today to be spiritual mothers and fathers to others. I know it would be easy to slip into, I've done my time mode. Some of you, maybe you would even like to slip into, finally... We did it! And we commend you for that. We're thrilled that you've raised your children and maybe they're out of the house and maybe you're not having to buy food for them anymore. Maybe you're not having to pay for their car insurance or their cell phone anymore. Maybe they are out living on their own. But now, look around you. There are more who need those spiritual mothers and fathers in their lives. We're living perhaps in the greatest fatherless generation ever. And we're living in a time when so many of the people that you talk to grew up in a fractured home environment in general. And so what if we could be spiritual mothers and fathers to others? Rather than slipping into I've done my time, what if the wisdom we've learned could be applied and we could actually help other people avoid some of the mistakes and pitfalls that they're going to have the potential to encounter? I'm sure there are plenty of adults in the room who would say, you know what, there's some things I learned through, through the years the hard way that I'd love for somebody else to know so they don't have to live out what we did. Psalm 71, 18, the psalmist said it this way, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. When you think about Paul and Timothy, that was the relationship. Paul considered Timothy, they grew to be like father and son, even though Timothy wasn't his biological son. Paul didn't have to do this, but Paul chose to do this, to pour into his life. Some of the greatest wisdom in any local church community is potential rather than actual because assumptions are made between generations. Some older people develop this mentality, some seasoned people develop this mentality that young people aren't interested, they don't want to hear what I got to say and I don't know enough about technology to even have these conversations. And some of the younger ones look at older people who have walked with Jesus for so long and they are seasoned and they are mature in Christ and they look and say, well, I could never measure up. I'm I'm not even close to the perfection that they're living. And I would say tear down all of those assumptions. Tear down all of those walls. Have friendship with people your age, but also cross-connect in generations and let the wisdom of experience and the passion of a heart for Jesus blend together and form a powerhouse for life and ministry. In the local church at times, throughout history, we've been too quick to separate generations almost into silos rather than bringing wisdom and passion together. To learn and to sharpen one another. What could happen? Now maybe you're here today and you say, well, yep, this message is for moms and those who have been moms and children are grown, but not necessarily for me. Well, I would suggest to you today, in many ways, these principles apply to all of us. First of all, we don't give up that even if you're dealing with some hard times right now that you don't give up, that you, just like the moms I talked to earlier, would lean into God and find the strength and the power and the joy and the peace and the comfort that you need. Wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, you serve a God who cares about you and who cares about you so much and loved you so much He did the greatest thing you ever needed in your life by giving His Son to die on the cross for your sin and to not only give you eternal life, But to also touch and change your life now. God wants to work in you and help you. He wants to be that one you can talk to and the one who will provide wisdom to your life. So don't give up, but find the strength in God that you need today. Secondly, don't underestimate the power of generational impact. Because that's not just for moms, that's for all of us. You may think that person you're inviting to EPAG in your neighborhood or that person you're talking to and having a conversation with at work is just one person. But in reality, imagine, if your neighbor decides to become a follower of Jesus, how's that going to affect their family? If your coworker decides to follow Jesus or somehow, some way along the way, you're able to encourage them and they don't give up, but they keep pressing forward rather than falling away from God, what in that moment would that mean for their family and their children and their children's children? Every conversation we have, rather than a, have to? What if we look at it as a get to? And we say, I get to talk to people about Jesus. I get to interact with people about Jesus. I can be a light in darkness for Jesus. And that may not just interact, impact the person I'm across the table from. That may impact hundreds or even thousands of people to come. All because we see the value of being truthful with others about Jesus. Teach and model truth and live Christ-like lives. That applies to all of us. The people around you will be drawn to the joy and the love and the peace and the grace you have flowing through your life because of Jesus. People are seeking answers. People are seeking hope. People are seeking truth even if they don't know how to verbalize that or use the right verbiage to describe it. But they're looking for something and they're recognizing we're not finding it in this world. We could get everything and we're still empty. So may they find Jesus through us. Many people, listen closely to me. This is for all of us. Many people will see us live a Christ-like life. Many people will see us model truth before we ever have an opportunity to talk about truth. They'll be listening. They'll be paying attention. They'll be watching you to see how you live, to see how you act, to see how you react and respond to the things going on at work or life or city. Whatever the case, they will likely see you model it before you'll ever get a chance to talk about it. And then lastly, we can all be spiritual mothers and fathers. We should take other people under our wings. Not to make us like us. Not not to make other people just like us. Well, I think you ought to do this, and I think you ought to do this. No, 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 no. I'm going to put my arm around someone, and we're going to journey with Jesus together. We're going to learn, and we're going to grow. And yeah, there may be some wisdom simply from experience, but we're not looking to just create duplicates of ourselves. We're looking to look like Jesus, and we can all be a part of that. If you're in the room today, would you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team members, if you're in the room today as well, would you go ahead and make your way to your places on either side of the auditorium? In just a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you, and I'm going to remind you that you have opportunity to pray. If you have a need, if maybe I've touched on something today in this conversation, that that you, you need prayer today. You've got a need in your life. You, you are struggling to keep going. You're worn out and weary, whatever the case. Today's the day, and there are people who will pray with you. I want to start by praying over our moms today. If you're a mom in the room, would you just lift your hand? I'm not going to ask you to say anything or do anything. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. Would you hold that hand up? Church, would you look around you? And if you are part of this mom's family, I want you to gather around them. But I also want you to be attentive, church, to every mom. Hold those hands up high, moms. You're doing great. I know you're used to telling other people what to do, but for one moment... For one moment, if you'll just give me the opportunity. Church, would you look around and make sure every mom has someone to pray with them today? Would you just take a look and make sure? Thank you, moms, for helping me out here. There's some over back in this way, too. Thank you. Can we pray for our moms today? God, we thank you for these wonderful, godly moms. We don't take lightly the strength that they have the courage they have the responsibilities they carry every day and we don't take lightly the impact that they make on so many lives not just their children but even the future Lord I pray your great strength over them today I pray oh God for the moms that are struggling the moms that are hurting the moms that may feel like they're doing a lot of things on their own. The moms that that may not felt seen today. God, would you lift each one up? Would you encourage them? Would there be peace in their hearts and minds, I pray. Grant them a wisdom. A wisdom to know how to rightly balance everything that they have in life and everything related to their kids and family bring healing to the hearts of moms that are hurting today bring healing also to those Lord who desire to be moms thank you Lord we pray also for each other today that while we celebrate moms and we thank you for the truth of your word specific today we also recognize this truth is for all of us Would you, God, help us not to give up? I pray if there be anyone, anyone who is weary and worn down, that today they would know strength in you. I pray, God, we would never lose sight of the generational impact that you can use us to have in our families, but also in the lives of other people. I pray, O Lord, that you would help us to model truth, what it means to live for you, Jesus. Would you help us in that, to to represent you well? Holy Spirit, empower us. And God, we recognize that there may be people who watch before they'll ever listen, before they'll ever give us an opportunity to speak into their lives. So Lord, just help us in that journey to represent you well. And help us, Lord, to be attentive to others, to take other people under our wings, Lord, not as a a know-it-all mentality, but as a let's journey together with Jesus. That passion and wisdom will cross together. And there will be great encouragement. Meet the needs, God, today, I pray. Father, I pray that you would bless and keep this people. You would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor, ever be in their direction and grant them your peace. Keep us safe, well, and whole. Be with us as some celebrate this day and others maybe uh, get an opportunity to rest and relax, whatever the case. May your spirit and your presence be known in great ways, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day to you, moms. Thanks for being a part of EPAC today. If you need prayer, there are people who will pray with you. God bless you as you go.